We are continuing our message series on the book of Matthew, and we are going to be looking at Matthew 8, verses 16 to 22 this morning. It's printed in your order of worship. You can follow along there. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to use it, to turn in your Bible to Matthew 8 and read along there. Um, As we've been watching um, Matthew describe the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he's been showing how Jesus has been teaching with authority. And then he's been healing person after person, all diseases. He's been casting out demons, and all these crowds are beginning to gather around him and follow him because of all of this incredible stuff that he's doing. And Matthew wants to make sure, I think uh, along with Jesus, he wanted to make sure that people understood what it really meant to follow him. Make sure they didn't have any misconceptions about what it cost to follow him. And here we have a passage where we are introduced to two two guys um, who are struggling to understand what it means to follow Jesus. So listen to God's word as I read from Matthew 8, 16 to 22. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side, and a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes, open our minds, and most of all, open our hearts to see what you want us to see here, to learn what you want us to learn, to grow in our understanding of what it truly means for us to follow Jesus, to trust him, to find our life in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One thing, I've probably mentioned this before, one thing that I love to do, one of my favorite things I love to do is listen to music. Um, I love music. I love listening to music. There's few genres of music that I, that I don't like, but uh, one of my favorites believe it or not, is hip-hop. I really love to listen to hip-hop because I really, I really love when there's a really strong beat, a really powerful beat and, uh, and a you know, really strong, powerful bass line. You know? Especially if I'm in my car by, himself, by myself, I will turn it up so that I can really feel it. You know? I don't know if any of you guys do that, but that's one of my favorite things to do. You know? So I'm happy to drive, do errands by myself, uh, you know, because I love to just you know, feel the music as I'm driving along. So you can imagine my excitement when I stumbled across this advertisement for this thing. I think it's called the Wooger. I don't know if you've heard of this thing at all. But uh, basically, it comes in two forms. There's like a belt that you can wear around your chest and also a vest that you can wear. And it you know, connects to your iPod or your, or your phone and your earbuds so that when there's like any... like you know, big sounds in the music, like you can feel it. It like vibrates your whole body. And I'm like, man, that sounds awesome, you know? I could just kind of like walk around my house just like really like feeling the music. 
It would be so cool. And so, you know, I was like, but of course, I'm sure that's, you know, that's out of my price range. I'm not going to spend any, like, exorbitant, exorbitant amounts of money on this thing. It's probably like $100 or something like that, and that's just kind of foolish to spend that much money. And so I just click on it, and I'm, I'm, like, scrolling down to see how much it really costs. And I thought it was going to cost, like, $100, $150, but it, actually the vest, you know, that you can buy is $500. I miscalculated the cost a little bit. I mean, the, the cost is the $500 and also the foolishness of looking like the way that you would look wearing the thing, sure. But um, I, I miscalculated the cost. I do that a lot when I see advertisements or things on the internet. I don't know if you ever you know, do that. You know, when you think it's going to be pretty expensive and then it ends up being way more expensive than you thought it was going to be. Um, that happens to me a lot. I, I miscalculate the cost. And in these verses, we see people who have either started following Jesus, we have a disciple, and then we have also a, scri- a scribe who seems to be eager to follow Jesus. And they seem to have a misconception. They might kind of think it will cost something, but, but they have a misconception about what it really is going to cost them. And Jesus kind of clarifies it for them in his answers to each of them. And maybe you're here this morning, well, I'm guessing you're here this morning probably because you have at some point in your life decided to follow Jesus. Um, And I'm guessing if you really have understood the cost. Um, Maybe you think you're following Jesus, but you're actually not. You're you're not really paying the cost that Jesus talks about here. What I want to talk about just is, is four different things that following Jesus will cost us that this passage points us to, okay? Um... So the first thing that it will cost us is it will cost us our security. It will cost us our security. In verse 19, a scribe comes to Jesus and eager, eagerly says, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. He, he's seeing all these incredible things that Jesus has been doing, and he sees that you know, Jesus is, is getting ready to, to leave and go to the other side of the, of the, of the water, and he's like, I'm, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And what does Jesus say back to him? He says, foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Essentially, Jesus is saying to him, you know, do you realize, if you're going to follow me, you're following a homeless man. <laughs> Animals have better homes than I do. Animals have a better sense of security than you will if you follow me. If you follow me, you're following a homeless man. To have no home, I mean, what does a home do for you, right? It, it gives us security. It gives us safety. That's what we find in a home. Uh, we find comfort in our homes. We find a sense of certainty and stability if we have a home, right? And so to not have a home is to not have any of those things. And, and ultimately, it's not to, ha- to not have a, a, a ultimately security, you know. Um, and, and that's what Jesus is saying to this guy. And, and, and for people back then, you know, when Jesus says, follow me, he's physically there. And so when you follow him, yes, you're, you're leaving your home. You're going with him. And you're going to have to be homeless like he is. Now it's a little different, right? Because Jesus has risen from the dead. He's ascended to heaven. And so now we have the spirit of God who is here. And so we don't have a physical person that we have to now, like, walk out our door and follow anymore. So, but, but I would argue that the principle is still absolutely the same. That he still calls us, each and every one of us, to let go of our security, of what we find our security in, in order to follow him. The thing is, the thing that makes it hard, though, I know as I think about my own life, personally, I would like to follow Jesus while making sure 
that I still have kind of a, my, my life is as stable and secure as possible. <laughs> I like to try to arrange my life so that it's stable and secure and, and still say that I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. You know, it's, it's kind of like um, I, I've, I've always been really afraid of heights. And if I go up into a skyscraper and I just look out the window, my, my knees get wobbly and I get dizzy. If, if, I'm, if I'm walking over a bridge, you know, or, or at the edge of kind of a cliff, even if there's like a big railing, I, I, get, I get, you know, woozy just even thinking about it. But last year I went with my, um, with my older boys to a, a high ropes course. And, um, you know, everybody was worried about me. You're going to be okay? And, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. And, but the thing is, I didn't have a problem with it at all. I had no problem with it at all. And it was high up in, up, in the, up in the trees. And we were going over these, you know, crazy obstacles and stuff like that. My, my fear of heights was not an issue. And the reason is because I had this harness that I was strapped into that was clipped onto this safety wire above me at all times. And so because of that, I, it didn't bother me to look down because I knew that this thing was going to catch me. And I think that's how a lot of us, I think, want to follow Jesus. You know, we say we're going to do this adventurous, this daring thing and follow him wherever he leads, and yet we clip ourselves onto something that we think is going to keep us safe at all times. Um, for, for a lot of us, it's, you know, our, our money, our bank account. It's making sure that we have a certain amount of money in our bank account or our retirement fund. For a lot of us, it's a set of, of relationships in our lives, whether it's our, our friendships or our families, you know. Um, it's, it's, for a lot of us, it's, it's our career and, and things like that. We, we clip ourselves into these things and count on those things to give us a sense of security and safety, even though we say we're following Jesus. And so when following Jesus might conflict with those things or cause us to let go of some of those things, we shy away from that. You know, if following Jesus requires me to actually give more money than I'm comfortable with, then we shy away from it because I really want to be clipped in to that, right? That's where I'm getting my safety. That's where I'm getting my security. But Jesus calls us to let go of our security. To follow Jesus is to follow a man without a home and to live that way. Um, so it's going to cost our security. Secondly, it's going to cost us our plans. It's going to cost our plans. The second guy um, says he's already a disciple. He says, Jesus, let me first go and do this thing. Let me first go do this thing. I want to follow you, Jesus, but let me first do this. And Jesus responds to him, no, that's not an option. That's not an option. It's not, there's no let me first do this. If you're going to follow me, you're going to surrender your plans to my plans. I am going to dictate your agenda. I'm going to dictate your plan for your life today and forever. And so it's going to cost us our plans. We, we make all sorts of plans, right? We have plans for our day ahead. Every single one of you in here, I'm sure, has a, has a sense of what's going to happen for the rest of this day. You have a plan. I'm glad that your plan included coming to church this morning. That's a good thing. I think that's a really good start. But I, we all have plans for the rest of our day. We have plans for the rest. We have an idea of what the rest of our week is going to look like, the things that we're hoping to do, the things that we're hoping to accomplish, the things that we have to do. We have all of these plans. Uh, well, a lot of us have plans for the future years. You know, Some of us have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. You know, Some of us have very particular plans about what my family's going to look like or who I hope to marry. 
um, or, or you know, what my career is going to look like. We have all of these plans. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you have to surrender them all to me. Surrender all of them to me. I am the one who needs to dictate your plans for your life. And so even as you think about your day, you know, you know, you woke up this morning, how many of you guys consulted Jesus about what you were going to do today? How many of you guys thought about, Jesus, what, what do you think I should spend my time doing today, this week? How many of us get, you know, frustrated, resentful when things don't go the way that I want them to or the way that I was planning on them going, you know? In those situations, actually, it's an opportunity to say, Jesus, I recognize your plan is not mine. And I'm going to surrender to it. I'm not going to, you know, get angry and resentful to learn to trust him in the midst of that. So following Jesus is going to cost us our plans as well. Third, following Jesus is going to cost us our loyalties. The thing this guy wants to do is go and bury his father, right? Now, in our mind, we're, we're all thinking probably his, his father has just died. Let's have a little compassion for this guy. Um, you know, he, he, all he wants to do is just kind of set up a funeral for his dad and, and, and grieve for his dad, and then he's going to follow Jesus. That's pretty commendable, right? Um, and that, I think that, that would be commendable, um, and that's possibly what's happening, and yet Jesus says, no. The call to, to follow me is even more urgent than maybe your greatest loyalty to your family. Um, in, in, in those days in that culture, your greatest loyalty was to your family, to care for your family, to love your family. And so it was expected of these, you know, for, for people. They would be like, oh, yeah, of course he wants to go bury his father. But there's also a, a possibility as well that his father's not even dead yet. And that he's actually, what he's saying, let me go bury my father. He's actually saying, Jesus, I know you want me to follow you, but, but I'm, I need to take care of my father until he dies and then bury him. Because the reality is, that there's, there's, it's very likely that that's possibly the case because if, he was, if his father had actually died recently, he would have been preoccupied with the funeral arrangements at this point. He wouldn't be out there in the streets talking to Jesus. So it's very possible that what he's asking Jesus is to say, I, I need to take care of my father first, and then once he's dead, I will follow you. But again, I mean, in those days, that would have been commendable. People would have understood that because it was understood that the greatest loyalty that we, we should all have is to our family. But Jesus is saying, no matter what, you know, whether his dad just died or his dad has been alive and is still alive, he's saying, no, your greatest loyalty needs to be me. I need to be the most important thing in your life. Even before this, this even before your family, even before this thing that is important, I recognize it's important, but I need to be more important than that. What are the things that we consider more important than anything else as you think about your life? You know, if somebody asked you, you know, to make a list of the three, the five things that are most important to you, that you give your attention to, that you are loyal to, what would those things be? Maybe for a lot of us, it would be our family, our children, um, it could be our career, our work, the amount of time that we spend devoting our, ourselves to that. For a lot of us in this, in, in this culture, it's, it's really self-development, isn't it? Everybody around us is so committed to developing ourselves as people, whether that is our education or our career, or even more so, those of us with, ch with children, you know, our, our highest loyalty is to, to make sure our kids are developing and having every opportunity, right? Jesus says, 
I need to take precedence over all of those things. You need to be loyal to me above all these things. And see, the, the, way, the way that it works out for us is that we, those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus and trust in him, a lot of us, we say, okay, how does my faith now fit in with the rest of my life? How does showing up on Sunday morning fit in with all of these other things that I have, you know, all these other responsibilities I have, all these other commitments that I have? And I, and I see that a lot with, you know, as I said, we, we are committed, those of us with kids are committed to, to making sure our kids are developing and growing. And, and one of the things that we see on Sunday mornings is, is, is all sorts of sports activities and things like that, right? And so a lot of us are like, okay, how does my faith fit in with this? But really what Jesus is saying is you, you need to say, okay, you want to follow me? You need to figure out how everything else fits in with me. I need to be the priority. You need to be loyal to me above all, all else. And so it costs us our loyalties. One last thing I want to point us to is that following Jesus is going to cost us our grave. Yeah, you heard me right. It's going to cost us our grave. Uh, notice that what Jesus says to the second man, when, when, when the second man says, first let me go and bury my father, what does Jesus say in verse 22? He says, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, he's not, he, he's, he's really, when he says leave the dead to bury their own dead, a, a dead person can't do anything. They, they can't really bury other people. He's talking about those who are spiritually dead. Um, he says, leave those people to, to kind of consume themselves with the things of this world, the temporary things of this world, and follow me. And so if we're leaving the dead behind, what does that make us if we follow him? It makes us alive. That makes us alive. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to live. You're going to live. You have to leave behind your grave, and you need to follow me. If you want to follow me, you are going to live. This is what following Jesus is. He is life itself. He is life itself. How many of you guys have, have seen the, the TV show Ted Lasso? I don't know how many of you guys have seen it. A few of you guys have seen it. It's about, I mentioned before, it's about a, an American football coach who moves to England and coaches a, an English football team, an English soccer team, and he has no clue what he's doing, but he's really positive and all this stuff. Um, well, at one point, there's a character on the show, a, a, a player that comes on the team, and his name's Danny Rojas. And when he's first introduced, he, like, runs out of the locker room, and he's, like, really upbeat. He's just, like, running around. He's got all this energy. He's smiling constantly. He's, like, singing as he plays. He's, like, he's, like incredibly good, and, he, and every time he scores, he's just, like, celebrating with everybody else. And the thing that he says over and over and over again, he says, football is life! He just loves playing football so much. That's where he gets his joy. That's where he gets his meaning and his purpose. That's where he gets his happiness. Football is life. Football is life. That's who he is. And that's you know, a silly example from a TV show. But the reality is, is that those who follow Jesus find out that Jesus alone is life. Jesus alone is life. Think about these two guys as that they, they interact with Jesus. It doesn't tell us if they end up following Jesus or not. We don't know, right? But what would they have seen? What would they have found if they did follow him? They would have found life. They would have found life as they spent time rubbing shoulders with one who is more powerful than anyone else, who is, with one who is healing diseases, casting out demons, with one who, who raised the dead himself. Imagine what that would have been like. 
That is what life is about. They would have been able to, to watch firsthand closely behind him as he, as he demonstrated compassion and love and mercy to the most unlovable people. That is life. To experience a relationship, a friendship with this man, this God-man, as they followed him. Jesus is life. And as they, as they followed him, eventually, what would they have seen? They would have seen him sacrifice himself on a cross. Dying to pay for their sin, dying in order to enable them to be restored to God, to be forgiven and and reconnected with the living God. In spite of their sin, they would have seen him sacrifice himself. That's one of the reasons I I had us read, starting in verse 16, is in verse 17, he uh, he quotes this, uh, he does a loose quotation from Isaiah, Isaiah 53, where he says, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Isaiah 53 is kind of the quintessential passage in the Old Testament where it talks about the work of Jesus, that he would come and lay down his life in order to heal us, in order to bring us, to make us righteous and to give us life. And they would have seen that firsthand. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. They would have seen him sacrifice himself and rise from the dead. Jesus is life. Jesus is life. And so, and so those who, who follow him, they must leave their graves behind. We must leave our graves behind. We must, we must choose. What we're doing is we're choosing to live. And, and I list this as a cost. When I was talking about what are the things that's going to cost us to follow Jesus? And, and at first glimpse, we might be like, well, choosing to follow Jesus and live, that doesn't seem like much of a cost to me. But the reality is, is that pretty much for most of us, I know from my own experience, that to leave my grave behind is a cost. Because the grave exerts a a real pull upon me. Um, It it can be more comfortable to stay in the grave. It can be easier to stay in the grave. It can feel more safe to stay in the grave than actually choose to live and engage with life and take the risk of living to know Jesus and count on him to satisfy me more than anything else. It's, it's so tempting for us to just to stay in the grave. It's, it's warm and cozy in there. I, I watched a movie a couple months ago called Free Guy, and I might have mentioned this movie already, but um, it's a just outlandishly silly movie, really goofy um, don't expect like major drama if you ever choose to watch it. But, but it was actually really good in the midst of its silliness and goofiness. But it's about this computer character in a video game. And he's basically just a background character. You know, people, other people play the game, but he's just always there. He wakes up every morning, he's a bank teller, and goes to the bank every day, just does the same exact thing, goes to the bank, and he gets robbed every day at the bank. That's, that's his one job in the video game. And that's all he does. And uh, his name's Guy, and he has a best friend named Buddy, of course, another you know, guy that just does the same thing. He's a security guard at the bank. They walk to the bank together, and they're best friends. Well, at some point in the movie, something happens where he's awakened to the possibility that he doesn't have to do that. And he can begin to choose to live, to make choices for himself, and, and, to, and to actually live a life that's, that's different than the life that he's living and he begins to, to do all of these adventurous things, and he becomes this, this incredible hero in the game. 
And part of it's because he finds these, he gets these glasses. When he puts these glasses on it, it opens up this whole new world to him. And he sees all these different choices and opportunities to do these things. And so he becomes this hero in this game. And at one point, he goes back to the bank, and he finds his friend, Buddy. And in the midst of a, a bank robbery, I think, is going on, you know, as it always does. Buddy is lying on the ground, you know, underneath all of this broken glass. And, uh, and, and Guy has found another pair of glasses. He's like, Buddy, take the glasses. Take the glasses. You can, you can live for more than this. Take the glasses. And Buddy just like looks up at him. He's like, no, I can't do it. You know, my, my life is too predictable and comfortable and safe. And that's really a picture of what the challenge is, us, is for us to follow Jesus. We have to leave behind our grave. It's, I think it's true for a lot of us. It's easier to live life with lower expectations so that we won't be disappointed. Um, it's easier to go through the motions and just kind of try to be okay rather than actually taking the risk of living and loving people. It's easier to just consider myself a Christian, you know, and, and show up to church once a week and try to be a good person rather than actually seeking to engage with the living person of Jesus on a daily basis and what he might demand from me and what, where he might ask me to go. Um, this is the thing. To, to stay in our grave is to cling to our security, is to cling to our plans, is to cling to the things that we think are important. But the reality is, is if we will just leave those graves behind and follow Jesus, what we will find out is that he alone will give us the security that we truly long for, even in the midst of letting go of these other things. He alone has plans that will satisfy our hearts rather than our pitiful little plans that we think we have for ourselves. Finding him, living as if he is the most important person in the world, will satisfy us in a way that, that none of these other things will. To follow Jesus is life. And it will cost us our graves. It will cost us our loyalties and our plans. It will cost us our security. And those are significant things. Those are difficult things to pay. But one thing I would be willing to bet on, I, again, I don't know what these guys did. I don't know if they chose to, to, to you know, throw caution to the wind and follow Jesus or not. But one thing I would be willing to bet on, if they did follow Jesus they weren't disappointed. They weren't disappointed. They found life. They truly found life. Walking with him, behind him, next to him. That's true for each and every one of us. Will we listen to the call, to the invitation to come to Jesus and find our life in him? Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us um, as we think about the cost. I think no matter who we are, we, we all miscalculate the cost. It, it is higher than any of us are, are willing to pay ourselves. And, and that is why we needed Jesus to come and pay the price for us. To live and to die on the cross for us and to rise. But Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to see that Jesus is sufficient, 
to see truly that Jesus alone is life. And Father, we pray that you would help us to leave behind our graves and to truly live. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We now have an opportunity to come to Jesus at the table.